You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy. We are continuing our discipleship series called Be a Disciple, Make a Disciple. And we named it that because if you're a disciple of Christ, eventually you're going to make disciples because that's what Jesus commanded us to do. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. And we have a definition for disciple on this next slide. It's someone that is following Jesus, that's being changed by Jesus, and someone who's on mission with Jesus, living out the mission that Jesus has called us to. Now, now there's two things I'm really passionate about when it comes to our our experience uh, as a community of believers, and, and then what that means for our community. And they are this. I believe that God's people should experience God's greatness on the regular. God's people should be experiencing God on a regular basis. Now, maybe not every moment, maybe not even every day, but we should see God working. He should be answering prayers. He should be moving us. He should be directing our lives. He should be providing for us when we need provision. And the best way for me to know how to experience that is to be following Jesus and to be changed by Jesus and to be on mission with Jesus. But the other thing I'm really passionate about is that the community around us will experience God's goodness through his people. Our community, Missoula, should experience the goodness of God us when we choose to be on mission with Jesus. And so us experiencing God in our community experiencing God, this is why we are disciple-making church. Because when I chose to say yes to following Jesus, and I, and I did that a long time ago, but then to be changed by Jesus, and boy, did my family need me to be changed by Jesus. But then when I chose to be on mission with Jesus, when it came to discipleship, and not just showing up for church, it changed my world. And my experience of God changed too. And so that's why we do what we do as a church. Now in this series, we're talking about what spiritual maturity looks like. We have this graph that, that uh, we use to communicate that. We talk about the fact that we need, to, we need to share things with people. We need to share our lives with them. We need to share truths with them. We need to share new habits with them. And so if there's someone in your life that doesn't know Christ or they just came to know Christ, we have to share a lot of things with them because they're spiritual infants. And then as they continue to grow, we start to connect them to God and connect them to small group and connect them to purpose. But we don't stop there. We teach them to minister. We equip them for ministry. We provide ministry opportunities. We release them to do ministry. This is how we grow from infant to child, to young adult. And ultimately, if you are a disciple, 
we know that you are fully mature when you have disciples that are making disciples. That the people that you invest in are investing in other people, they're investing in other people. So that in 2000 years, if Christ doesn't come before that, and I certainly hope he does. What's he doing today? I'm ready. Um, but until Christ returns, we're gonna carry on this work of making disciples that make disciples. And so if the work that you're doing in ministry isn't equating and other people doing the same kind of work, then, then let's work towards that. Let's change that. Let's, let's improve upon that. So, and then, and then the other part that we talk about in this process, and these are just big picture uh, concepts, we talk about what's my part in the discipleship process? What's God's part in the discipleship process? And then what's the other person's part in the discipleship process so that I end up doing my part and, and only my part and getting really good at that. I let God do his part and I let the other person own their part. And so this, this has simplified things for me as I have been discipled to disciple. And there are, there are churches upon churches upon, like there's thousands of churches that are doing this around the country and around the world using this discipleship model. Thousands of people are coming to Christ. In fact, the people that, that we take, that we took the loan through, we have a, what, quarter of a million dollar line of credit. The people that loan to us, the Solomon Foundation, they only work with disciple making churches. That's the only kind of church that they'll loan money to because, because they know how it transforms lives. And I'm excited to work with them. Well, we're talking about sharing new truth. And what does that look like? We know that in the greatest sermon ever given in Matthew 5, we are told that you are the light of the world. Jesus says, you are the light of the world and you're supposed to let your light shine in such a way that people will glorify the Father, right? And, and I remember when I was a young Christian, like, I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm gonna have to grow up some. Like, my light doesn't always look like light. And it scared me a little bit. And I'm... And, and I didn't always know what to do. I knew that I needed to grow up. I needed, knew that when I read the words of Jesus that that had to mature because, because Jesus expected my life to be lived out in such a way that other people would want to know my God too. And then I read things like Matthew 10. He says, a disciple is not above his teacher. It is not for the disciple that he become like his teacher and a slave like his master. You and I are supposed to become like Jesus, right? If they called the head of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign the members of his household? I don't know if anybody in your neighborhood has called anybody uh, Beelzebul lately, but it's kind of like calling someone Satan. 
Therefore, Jesus says, do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill a soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear, you are more valuable than many sparrows. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Now, I, I remember reading this 20, 25 years ago, and I struggled with fear. I struggled with fear when it came to talking to other people about Jesus. Is that your experience? Is, was that just me or, or do some of you struggle with that too? But what Jesus says here is that if we understand how valuable we are to God, if we understand how valuable we are to him, that, that he numbers the hairs on our head. Now, now for some of us, that's getting easier to count. Um, the rest of you, God bless you, you, you have a full head of hair and uh, grateful for you. But God has the hairs on my head numbered. He intimately knows me. And, and he says, you know, the sparrows will fall to the ground out in the wilderness. You probably won't notice it. I probably won't notice it, but God takes notice. And so if we, if we understand how much he values us, not only that, but he says, what I whisper in your ear, I want you to speak this. I want you to talk about these words. Guys, that's the really good news, is that we get to experience Jesus when we choose to become disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. Like I could face hard things as long as I know I get to face them with God. And I don't know about you, but I faced some hard things this last year. And year before that, and year before that, and the year before, you know, like I could just keep going. I faced some hard things. I'm okay if I face hard things as long as I know that God's with me in it. And that's what Jesus is talking about. It's not like Jesus sends us someplace and is like, good luck. Hope you figure this out. First of all, he provides us with community. He provides us with each other. We get to figure this out together. Discipleship is not a me go try to figure it out on my own kind of thing. It's a community thing that we're gonna, we're gonna work through together. We're gonna figure this out together. But it wasn't always just fear. It wasn't always just fear. When I lived in Pulse Falls, uh, probably, I don't know, a dozen years ago, we had this family across the street and I wanted them to know Jesus. 
You know who I'm talking about. Pointing at my wife and my daughter. I, I wanted them, to, but it just felt awkward. The conversations felt forced. I didn't know how to start the conversations. Have, have, have you been there? It's like, I want to know Jesus. What do I do? Because I love them. I still love them. I was anxious. I, you know, I thought I had to sell them on Jesus. You know, if I just said the right words, they'd be sold into the kingdom. And that's not understanding my part and God's part. Who does, this, who does the, if selling is involved in the process, whose part is it? Is that my part or is that God's part? It's not mine. Jesus tells us in, in John chapter six that no one comes to the father or no one comes to the son unless the father draws him. Jesus clearly says in John chapter six that no one will receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior without the work of the Father, without the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. And so you and I just get to be, we're along for the ride. God's a heavy lifter in that equation. But I wonder how these questions resonate with you. Where do I start? Where do I start? What if they ask questions? What if my friend asked me a question and I don't know the answer to it? And what if I offend them? Like, do these questions resonate with you? Have you struggled with these kinds of questions? Like, Lord, I wanna do what you call me to but I don't know how to start this. I don't know if I know enough. I don't know if I have enough tools in my hand to make this happen in a way that makes sense or that's helpful. Well, I wanna help you guys out because I wrestled with all these things. I wrestled with fear and I wrestled with these questions and, and how do I get past the awkwardness and how do I not make this like, crazy talk, you know, like, what do I do here? And we have, we have each of us a simple, but a powerful tool. If you've experienced God in your life, if you've said yes to Jesus Christ, then you have a simple, powerful tool, and it's called your story, your experiences with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we're gonna talk about this, this afternoon, how do we use our stories? Now we see in scriptures how powerful our stories about Jesus can be. And uh, I'm, I'm gonna jump ahead, Logan, to uh, John 4 just to give you a heads up and then we'll come back to Mark 8. But uh, Jen shared a couple weeks ago, the story of the woman at the well, where Jesus goes through Samaria, which is strange, right? We know that's kind of an odd thing for a Jew to do. He meets this woman at the well. He has this conversation with her. It's a very spiritual conversation simply because Jesus said, will you give me some water? And simply because Jesus treated her like a human being, saw past their differences and engaged with her. 
and she says this, as she goes back into town, she says this, come see a man who told me all the things I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? She simply goes and tells the community, hey, this was my experience. I had this conversation 30 minutes ago. You should come check this guy out. My conversation with him changed me. You should come and check this Jesus out. Is he the Messiah? And then in verse 41, 42, we're told that many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the savior of the world. The woman at the well experiences the grace of Jesus Christ. And that's the one tool that she has to help her friends come to know Jesus too. And I don't know what your experiences with grace when it comes to Jesus are. I know that when I first came to Christ, I was six years old. But the next experience of grace that, I, that really stands out for me, I was about 22. I had bought a home with my girlfriend. We were living together. We were going to church and we were in this Bible study. And at one point, the guy that led the Bible stu study pulled me aside and he said, Rob, he goes, I'm confused about what it is that you're doing. I knew what he was talking about. I was sinning against my own conscience. He didn't have to say, hey, I don't think it's a good idea for you to live with your girlfriend. He just simply said, I'm confused by your actions. I knew that he loved me and I knew that he was graciously confronting me and it helped. It helped set me on the right path. I went and sat down with, with my pastor and I said, I need help. And it ministered to me. It's one of my many stories of me experiencing God either through the word or through other people or through my circumstances I got to experience the grace of God, just like this woman at the well got to experience the grace of God. There's another story in Mark chapter five, a man who's possessed by demons, we're told uh, Jesus confronts the man and apparently there's quite a few demons in him. There's a, a thousand demons called legion inside of him. And, and Jesus casts out the demons and the, the, the demons enter into a herd of pigs and, and they run down the mountainside and, and into the water and the pigs die in the melee. Now this is a Roman area of Israel. And I don't think this man that Jesus saves from from these demons had one lick of understanding of the scriptures. There's nothing that tells us that, that he was Jewish. 
There's nothing that tells us that he was devout. There's nothing that tells us that he understood the scriptures, that he even understood who Jesus was as the Messiah. But I want to pay attention to what happens. Jesus was getting into the boat, and the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. And he did not let him. But he said, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you. And how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis, which again, Decapolis is a Roman area of Israel, what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Jesus sends his first male missionary without a Bible degree, without any spiritual understanding, without a lick of knowledge of the Bible, armed with his story and only his story to be a missionary to a Roman part of Israel. Simply with the knowledge of his experience with Jesus. That's all he needed to know. And it was powerful. It changed people's lives. It changed people's lives. The, uh, the woman at the well, by the way, she's the first known female missionary that Jesus sends out. And again, she has a more spiritual conversation but she just goes with the knowledge of her experience with Jesus. There's another story that we could look at. There's a man that's born blind and his story's recorded in John chapter nine. We'll read the whole story in our care groups this week, but Jesus heals the man and in the, in the community, it's kind of an uproar, like what's going on here? Tell us about this experience. And so they come to him a second time and they call to the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. We know that Jesus is a sinner because he heals on Sabbath. That, that was their logic. And he answered whether he is a sinner I do not know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. So they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You do not want to become his disciples too, do you? <laughs> oh, 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 I I want to meet this man in heaven because he's got a great sense of humor. <laughs> he's right on. You know, the reality is sometimes when we share our story, the people that we're going to share our story with, they're going to have their own agenda. That's going to happen. Some people won't want to hear about Jesus. Some people are going to have all kinds of assumptions about Jesus. We can't control that we can control whether or not we choose to be a witness though. We can control whether or not we choose to engage. We, we can control whether or not we value what Jesus has done, 
how Jesus has acted towards us, how he has shown us mercy, how he has shown up in powerful ways, how he has blessed us. We can choose to value our experiences with him and and share them. And the more we choose to be on mission with Jesus, the more stories we're going to have. I had a buddy that, that uh, he set up an outpost down in, in Mexico so that we could build houses for, for the poor communities down there. The people that were building houses for, they would, they would have these makeshift huts that were, you know, a little bit of plywood, uh, some crates, some tarps, uh, a whole lot of uh, cardboard, which is great in the rain, right? Uh, and and we would we'd go down there, and for just a few thousand dollars every year, we'd build several houses. It, it started out with us building a house, and then building another house, and and over the first few years, we built several houses, and then we built a church for a pastor down there, and then we built some more houses, and then we added on to the church. And then eventually my friend built an outpost so that we could stay right within the community. And, you know, everywhere he went, because he was on mission with Jesus, everywhere he went, he was talking to, like, they'd be like, hey, what do you got going on? Oh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm getting some people together. We're doing some training because we're going to do a mission trip down to Mexico. Really? Tell me about that. Well, you should hear, you should hear about this miracle. Oh, you should hear about this experience. Oh, you should hear about this thing and that. Like, he had nonstop stories about what, how cool his God was because he was on mission with Jesus. And he was teaching people how to be on mission with Jesus. And he just had story after story after story after story. Now, did everybody want to hear those stories? No. And Kirk was like, eh. They're going to hear it anyway, because I like my stories. <laughs> and so he told stories. You know, I don't see a ton of uh, great theological debates in the New Testament. Do you? Do you see people haggling over, like, I, I know that there are theological conversations going on, but the recorded history of the, within the Gospels and within Acts we don't see these great theological debates. Well, you do, what about this and that? You know, like, I know that happens. I know some people want to debate us. I know some people want to argue with us. It's fine. I don't feel the need to argue with people. If you want to argue with me, you know, have fun. It's not where I'm going. I could have that conversation with you, but I honestly, even as a pastor, haven't had a lot of those. I've had some people come and they want to, they want to argue. They want to, you know, show up and I'm like, all right, let's have some fun. I don't think we have to be afraid of that though, because God has given us something super powerful and it's our Stories. Now, now, sometimes we don't feel like we have a great story to share. Sometimes we feel like our story is not big enough. Like my story is kind of wimpy. I've always known Jesus. 
I've never had any problems. I've never argued with anybody. I don't know. You know, sometimes we just don't, we don't think our story's big enough to share with people. Or sometimes some of us were like, my story is so big, so problematic that I don't even know where to start. And so we, either way, we can end up with these story, you know, like we don't value our story because we think it's too big or we don't value our, our story because we don't, don't think it's big enough. But I want us to learn how to talk about those micro moments, those small moments. Because when Jesus dealt with the demoniac, it's less than, a, it's less than an hour long. Like we could read it in like two minutes right? And when he's, the woman at the well, she has a 30-minute story. It's not this is great, big, lifelong, it's just this 30-minute conversation. And I bet you we have dozens upon dozens upon dozens in this room of those stories. The blind man, he, he had a couple interactions with Jesus, And so let's, let's talk about our, our micro-faith stories. They all have these three elements. There's a situation, something's going on in our world, God shows up, and then there's a result. Let's add, let's add to this, the situation. It's some kind of experience, some kind of problem, some kind of challenge. And God shows up through his power, through his grace, through his provision, and then the result. There's a new direction in our lives. We choose to repent. There's a brand new outcome. All of us have stories like this. All of us have stories where there's a problem, God shows up with his power. There's a problem, God shows up with his grace. There's a problem, God shows up with his provision. And either we're set on a new direction that we weren't heading on before, or we needed to repent, or there's a new outcome that we didn't expect. There's a challenge and his power shows up, his grace shows up, his provision shows up. And now we have a new direction, we repented, a new outcome. We have these micro stories, these small interactions. Maybe it happened this last week. Maybe it happened a year ago. Maybe it happened five years ago. But these stories are powerful because it could change lives. So we, we started with these questions, right? Let's go to the next slide. And we ask the question, where do I start? It's, how do I be a witness to my friend? Where do I start? Well, start with your, your story or your stories. Start with those micro moments. I think we, talk, we think in terms of, if I'm gonna share my testimony, it's the macro testimony. No, let's start small. Let's start with those small micro moments where God shows up. I bet we have dozens upon dozens, if not hundreds of stories in this room.
Well, what if they ask questions? It's your experience. Like you're telling a story about your experience. So like I can answer questions about my experience. I don't know if I could answer all the questions about the woman at the well's experience if I'm new to that story. But when I'm talking about my story, I could answer those questions. And what if I offend them? Well, maybe there's something to learn. Maybe I didn't handle the conversation very well. Maybe I didn't listen very well. And we have to remember our value, how much God loves us. Not everybody's gonna value the fact that we're sharing our stories. And maybe we're just planting a seed. My brother, before he went to join the Marines, I, I, was, in my, I was in 22, 23 at the time. He was 19, 20 at the time. And he's heading off to basic training. And I saw my brother doing some of the kinds of things that I had done in college and, and just the way I lived. And I'm like, oh, man, don't go there. I wanted to help my brother out. And so I, I shared my story with him. Just my experience in college and how God called me out of that and what God was doing. And I don't know, and it wasn't a great conversation at the time. My brother calls me two years later. He says, remember that conversation that we had before I left? I'm like, eh, what conversation? He reminded me of the conversation. He goes, I didn't, I didn't understand then. He goes, but I understand today. I understand today. And now my brother's one of my greatest partners when it comes to ministry, even from afar. He supports what we're doing here. And he's in church leadership and he's making disciples and uh, I couldn't be any more proud of him. I planted a seed that day. I think he was offended at the time that we had the conversation, but I planted a seed. And so you know what? I'm willing to face hard things as long as God shows up. And God showed up big time. Changed my brother's life. The implication is this. As a disciple, your stories of how God has shown up in your life are the most effective tools you have to help others know Christ. Your stories matter. Your stories of God showing up powerfully matters. Your experiences with God can make a difference in other people's lives. Now we're uh, handing out the elements of communion. If you are new with this, know that we have an open table, which means if you are here to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you have made him your Lord and Savior, then please, we invite you to join us in this. Now we're gonna talk through a few things before we take the elements together, so just hold them, and we're gonna use this time to work through a few things. But what you hear Jesus say to you, 
what you see God do in your life and the grace that you experience. These are the stories that you could be sharing with the people in your life. So some action items. Number one, write down five of your stories this week where God showed up in your life. The situation, how God shows up, and result. Take time and, and as a, like, if, if, if you don't know how to share your stories, then, then this is a practical step that you could take, and we're gonna do this in our care groups so they can work through it together so you don't have to do this all by yourself going, yeah, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but Rob asked me to do something. Man, I'm just lost. No, let's, let's do this in community. Let's do this in, in groups. Let's do this as a discipleship conversation. But let's take some time and, and start thinking about how do I talk about my stories? So write down. And I, and I recommend that you pick a person that's, that's close to you or a situation that's close to you going, man, what would I wanna say to my friend? And what experiences do I have that will help me communicate or help them move closer to God through our conversations? So um, I'll just share a couple, couple quick testimonies with you guys, a couple 30 second testimonies, but uh, in the second year of my marriage to Christy, it was Christmas time, and we'd been helped the Christmas before, and we, we decided that we wanted to help a family. So that's the situation. And we gave kind of an odd amount. It was, it was what we had at the time, and it was something like $318.29. What we didn't know when we gave that was that was the exact amount for a bill that the family was worried about paying a medical bill. It was an exact, and I don't remember if it was actually 318 and 29 cents, I'm just, but whatever it was, whatever we wrote the check for, it was the exact amount. And so we experienced God by being faithful towards, towards being generous. And that was, that really ministered to me, that really helped me to want to be generous in, in future endeavors. All right, so that's, that's number one. Um, second situation. I had gone on a number of mission trips with my buddy, um, Kurt, down to Mexico. And I'd always paid my way down. I always took these extra military trips that put extra dollars into our savings. And I would use that to pay for me to go on these trips. But this one time God told me, he goes, I want you to seek support for this trip. Oh, that stretched me. <laughs> I didn't want to call people. I didn't want to write a letter. I didn't want to ask for help. It really stretched me. Well, most of the funds came in and we had, we had one last check come in and it, it, it finished us off. And it was, it was really close to the help that we helped that family a couple years earlier. It was eerily close. It might have even been the same number. I don't remember the details like that. I, I'd have to ask my wife because she, she's, but like my buddy was like, hey, do you know why I paid such an odd amount? I'm like, yep, <laughs> I know. 
And because I faithfully chose to, uh, to listen to God and let him lead me in this process of asking for support, I got to experience God's provision in a whole new way. Now, those are just a couple of my micro stories that I've never shared with you guys. But last week, I was sitting down with Jen and we were talking through something and I'm like, <laughs> I shared with the situation how God showed up and the result and then going, hey, I just did it. She goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> God used that story in her life. At least that's what she told me. Number two, number two, have a discipleship conversation where you practice telling one of your stories. Have a discipleship conversation. And we're going to do this in our care group. So if you don't have any place to do it, show up to care group and we're going to practice this. Not because practice makes perfect, but because practice makes permanent. If we practice it amongst friends, we can work through our fears, our failures, and our frustrations, and we can experience empathy, encouragement, and we could be equipped. Isn't that fun? So have a discipleship conversation. Number three, share one of your stories with someone who you suspect could benefit from hearing it. I just go, Lord, I'm going to share my story. I don't know if this is going to help or not, but I'm going to be faithful to this. I'm going to, and I want to experience you in the midst of this, so, so I hope that you show up and just see what God does. And so those are some practical steps that we take as a church to make disciples that make disciples. We want to help you be equipped to lead people to Christ by simply sharing your experiences with your amazing God. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come say hello. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.